They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud.com and iTunes? It has been way too long, but it's another Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here. Johnny Meats with Shaking, dude. Joe, Joe, another day in paradise here on the main line. <laughs> yeah, uh, paradise is uh, a relative term, correct? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> How you been, brother? Everything all right? Been good, man. Just a lot going on these days. Moving to a new place, planning for a wedding, all types of stuff going on. And obviously, bachelor party in Las Vegas. Hey, oh, which uh, which is uh, which is going to be legendary. Yeah, let's uh, let's start there. Not so much with your bachelor party, but Las Vegas. Although we could talk, <laughs> we could spend episodes, I'm sure, talking about what's going to occur. Uh, we'll we will talk Eagles training camp as they kick off. Uh, in just about a week's time, camp opening. Uh, we've got some jo- Joel Embiid and Sixers conversation. Uh, we'll have our Dear God segment as well. Again, appreciate all the love and support. Brotherly Love Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. But let's start with Las Vegas. It'll be the site for Mayweather McGregor, the same time that uh, the Mita clan will be down there wreaking havoc on the Sin City. Just so happens that your bachelor party falls on the same weekend. We'll be there in person, of course, John Mita. But uh, the last, I don't know, what was it, five to ten days, the press conference tour, if you will, Mayweather McGregor, everywhere from New York City to London, for crying out loud. Uh, Each one had more of a WWE feel than the last one from what I saw. Sports Center running highlights, kind of a montage of all the, the top moments from this press conference. I mean, it was as, again, pro wrestling, you know, WWF, WWE, whatever era you're from, uh, as it gets. Uh, the trash talking, the money being thrown in the air, the the slamming of fists, the, the, the stare. I mean, the only thing that was missing was Mean Gene Okerlund. You know, Dana White doing his best to play his role as Mean Gene. But uh, uh, what did you make of it? Is this all hype? Is this, is this reality? Do these guys hate each other, do you think? Do you think if one of them lose, you know, one of them's going to lose? Obviously, are they really going to care? Does it change their career? Does it change their legacy? I mean, what do you make of this massive mega fight? McGregor stepping into the ring for the first time, and Mayweather fighting a guy that's never boxed before, really, at the professional ranks. Yeah, it's uh, first of all, let's get to the hype and the shenanigans and the sideshow clown show that is going on right now. And I get it. And these two guys, you know, they're two two great entertainers in their sport. Now you look at somebody like Floyd Mayweather. I mean, he's the guy that hypes up every single fight. He does a great job of it, gets people interested and gets people trying to, you know, pay the money to, to, to write that check for him. Then you look at Conor McGregor. He follows suit. Conor McGregor is like the Floyd Mayweather version of himself and the UFC, all the trash talk. 
I mean, I got to believe that these guys don't really hate each other that much. If they did hate each other that much, there would have been a couple brawls on stage, especially when Floyd, uh, when Conor McGregor puts his head, his hand on Floyd's head, and they're going back and forth with the fur coats and everything else. For me, this is just a lot of buildup so these guys can get paid. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. The one thing that I'm totally interested to see with the dynamic of this fight is, here's a guy, Floyd Mayweather. Somebody is coming from a, dis- a different discipline to challenge one of the greatest boxers of all time. You know, Floyd Mayweather's resume is ridiculous as far as the fighters that he's been able to, to beat in his Hall of Fame career. So the question is, how is this fight going to go? That's the big thing for me. I know there's a lot of hype. There's going to be a big pump up. You know, we're almost less than a month away from when they step into the ring. But how is this fight going to go? From a standpoint is, you know, Floyd is one of the best defensive fighters, if not the best defensive fighter of all time. Is Conor McGregor going to be allowed to even land one punch? People say, well, all it takes is one punch. Yes, you're absolutely correct. All it does take is one punch. However, is he going to be able to land that punch? So many other great fighters that Floyd has fought in the past were never able to land that one punch. The other thing is, is Floyd going to take it on his hands as it's his legacy to protect the integrity of the sport of boxing. That's a great is question. He gonna, you know, is he going to go after McGregor and try to knock him out early just to show the world, number one, now I'm 50-0, and 0, one of the greatest records. I guess that would tie Rocky Marciano's record, I believe. Don't hold me to that. But is he going to go after Connor and knock him out just to say, you know what, all these MMA fighters think they can come into the boxing arena and do what we do, I just showed you. You know, you gave us one of your best fighters, and I put them down easily. Or is it going to be, you know, let's have this sideshow type of fight that goes, you know, 12 rounds, so then they can just sell the next pay-per-view. That's the other thing you got to worry about is how long is this fight going to last? And people talk, listen, McGregor is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. And now that everybody, all these MMA guys, right, are like, well, you know, he plays striker, he's got amateur boxing in his career. Yeah, but he's never boxed professionally. The ring is, I, I believe the ring is bigger than the octagon. I'm not sure on that. But when you're talking as opposed to fighting for three rounds, as opposed to 12, that's a, that's a big difference. And one of Floyd's strengths is he makes you punch yourself out of the bout. So he will just let you throw as many dumb punches as you can so that you tire yourself out, wear yourself down, and then he goes after you. I I would say this, man. The biggest, you know, and you bring up some great points, and it kind of got the the wheels moving up top in my my sluggish brain at times. It's like, how is he going to handle that new environment, McGregor? Right, because you talk about the ring, it's a different weight on the gloves, and I know you can practice and train for all that stuff, but can you really get yourself ready? There's a difference between training camp and the regular season, summer league games in the NBA, and the real deal, right? I mean, as much as athletes in every sport that they prepare for 365 days a year within their own domain, as much as they try and get ready, as they always say, you can't simulate game speed, you can't simulate the postseason, you can't say. Si- when McGregor steps into that ring, you talked about Mayweather's legacy. Yes, maybe he'd like to string out two or three of these fights against McGregor. For the record, there's not a shot in hell Mayweather ever steps inside that MMA cage. He'd be an idiot to do so. 
but how is McGregor going to react when the lights are on, when all of a sudden his brain is telling him to strike, to grapple, to kick, to knee? He can't do any of that stuff. That's what he's trained to do. So as much as he's going to try and uh, you know, rewire himself or train for boxing, at the end of the day, when the lights go on, I feel those instincts of an MMA fighter are going to be the things that want to jump to the forefront, especially if he starts to get his you-know-what kicked. You know, if he's taking some shots, if he can't land a shot, if he's getting frustrated, what's going to happen? That ego in him, that, you know, that, that competitive fire in him, that's going to want to flip the switch and go to what he knows best, which is grappling, which is takedowns, chokehold, striking, you know, stuff he can't do in the ring by law. So... That's going to be the biggest dynamic for me is how does he make that adjustment when it's go time? Not all the hype, the press conference, the talking, the training, you know, the, the no shirt on, boxing, sparring stuff you can see the videos of. How does it go down when the lights are on on the biggest stage really in the world in Las Vegas? Uh, that's going to be huge. And, and that adjustment for McGregor, look, I don't think he has a shot in hell to win the fight, but that's why they play the game, so to speak. So it'll be interesting for sure. Um that's coming up, was it, May, uh, August 26th, Saturday night? Correct. Yeah, so we'll spend some Saturday. more time talking on that as we get a little bit closer to the fight. But uh, uh, it should it certainly be exciting. And the, pre-hype, the pre-fight hype has certainly been nothing short of extraordinary so far. It's good people watching, <laughs> if nothing no else. Doubt. No right, doubt. Let's go from hype to more hype before we get into the Eagles. Uh, more trash talking. Joel Embiid and big baller brand, right? LeVar Ball, his son Lonzo Ball. The, the the big baller brand, LeVar Ball doesn't shut the hell up. ESPN, all the media outlets, they keep putting microphones in front of him. Hell, now the Brotherly Love podcast is talking about him. But Joel Embiid of the Sixers has kind of poked the bear a little bit. Uh, they've gone back and forth, those two, over recent weeks on social media, LeVar Ball in interviews. It seems like Ben Simmons is involved a little bit now. And so it got me thinking. You know, I love Joel Embiid. I think all of Philadelphia loves him. We love his personality. For the three months he played basketball last year, the city was on fire. But what has he done to be talking all this nonsense? And that's my concern. Like, I'd much rather have Joel Embiid focus on basketball. I know there's not a lot he can do right now. But just shut your mouth, and until you've played even a full season in the NBA or been an all-star or made the playoffs, God forbid get to a you know win a championship can we just stop with the talk can we just focus on the sixers and the basketball i love it okay i do love the personality we beg our athletes for personality and i'm not trying to play both sides of the fence here you know i love the social media i love the buy into the trust the process all of that from Embiid and the rest of the sixers young core it's fun it's exciting the city's a buzz but at some point you got to start playing basketball games that's right around the corner don't worry about lavar ball big baller brand all it does is fuel his fire. Just shut up, play basketball, get the Sixers to the playoffs, put this city on your back. Stay healthy for crying out loud. Am I wrong? No, you bring up some very good and valid points. So let's get to the real let's get let's get to Lavar, aka LaFraud. I don't know if you saw this last night, Joe. But Lonzo Ball wore three different types of sneakers last night. He wore he wore the James Harden Adidas. Then he went to the Steph Curry Under Armour. Then he went to the Nikes, the Air Jordans, and the Kobe's. Last night, they were talking about this big baller brand and go get your ZO2s for $500. Now it turns out they're auditioning for a shoe contract for Lonzo Ball, which is even crazier. The whole thing is just 
I guess Bavar overstepped uh, his bounds and uh, kind of screwed up, and which is kind of funny that he's falling flat on his face. Get to John Embiid. There's no doubt about it. You never want to take anything from an athlete's personality, especially something that is endearing to that particular athlete. He is a social media wizard. However, the one thing that was kind of out of hand is when you're going to curse on social media about somebody, there's other clever ways to do it. Like, you didn't have to curse. You could have said so many other funnier things. Like, look at the way he looked. You know, LeVar Ball looked when he represented WWE. I mean, he could have gone at him. But to say a curse word, it just looks bad for not only Joel Embiid, but it doesn't shed any great light on the Sixers organization. Right. And you are right. When it comes down to it, you got to prove it on the court. And LeVar Ball, his point was, well, what have they won? What have they done in their young careers? They can't even stay healthy. And if you hear him say that, you kind of, unfortunately, as much as I dislike LeVar Ball, you have to agree with him in some respects because he's telling the truth. The one thing that I do love about this is it's going to bring back the Lakers-Sixer rivalry. Right? It's so great to see that now that the Sixers have finally taken a step in the right direction, have you know, have all these assets in their bag, now it's going to bring back the series, the hype with maybe the Boston Celtics. Maybe that gets started again. So from that standpoint, it gets started. But when it comes down to it, you do like, you like athletes to be humble. Go out and prove it. You know, that's the biggest thing. You know, talk to talk, but can you walk the walk? And like well, look at said, look at some of look at our generation. All right, you talk about Philadelphia athletes that have endeared themselves: Brian Dawkins, Chase Utley. For as much as Brian Dawkins was rah rah, what did he do? He backed it up. You know, he wore his emotions on his sleeve, and he played like it on Sunday. Chase Utley didn't say boo until the Phillies won a World Championship when he dropped an f bomb, and he further cemented himself into Philadelphia sports lore. But what did he do on, on game days? He showed up. He hustled. He brought his bat. He brought his heart. He brought his glove to the field every single day. Those are two guys that jump out the most to me. Now you start going down the line. Iverson, right, from kind of when we were really growing up. AI, won over the city with his personality, but his passion on the basketball court. Donovan McNabb was always a, a lightning rod because he would you know, come off as soft or a crybaby from time to time and he didn't always back it up on the field. Right now, Joel Embiid has his city in a spot that very few athletes have had, you know, a T.O.-type personality. But he's got to finally do something. We can't have any more talk. We can't have any more time missed to injury. All right? Right now, Lonzo Ball, I know it's summer league, but he, was, he had a great run, triple doubles and, and double doubles and, and, and these highlight real plays. Meanwhile, you know, Fultz is hurt. Simmons barely played last year. And Bede was hurt half the season. Like, you've got to start to get it done on the court if you want to earn that respect. So for now, I'd say pipe down and play basketball. I agree with that 100%, buddy. All right, brother. The Philadelphia Eagles are now less than a week away, I believe next Monday, so a week away, essentially, from opening training camp. I don't know at the end of the day when we'll finally be able to grade the offseason. But obviously, progress is the key word. You want to see development from Carson Wentz. You want to see what all these new weapons are about offensively. The excitement should be there. Maybe as hyped, you know, as last year when you added a when you had a new head coach and a new franchise quarterback coming in. Maybe you even go back to some of those dream teams with all the free agent signings. I mean, where do you put this hype 
for Eagles camp, and what are the expectations for this football team as they get ready to, you know, really ratchet things up for the first time? Anytime we talk football, you know, it comes back to one position, Joe, and that position when you're talking about a football team is the quarterback. This is going to be a huge year for Carson Wentz. You got to see where he where he lands with the maturation process as far as, you know, his growth. How much better does he get? I think automatically he's going to get a ton better because of the people and the weapons that they have surrounded him with, and which is going to be awesome to see. I can't wait to see it get started because, you know, this guy's not throwing to a bunch of bums out there. He has some legitimate wide receivers. They picked up a bruising short yardage running back, something that this team hasn't had in years to go along with all the other different types of running backs that they have. And it'll be interesting to see the maturation process of the head coach as well. You know, what has Doug Peterson learned huh. from his from his first year of coaching? Well, you better um, hope it's a hell of a lot because it was yeah. underwhelming at times through last season. Very underwhelming. Right. As the year moved along, he showed his warts and the football team just wasn't good enough on paper to cover up for it. I mean, it's as plain and simple as that. Yeah, well, I mean, is he going to be going for it on fourth downs like he did? Is he going to have still have that same type of gambler mentality? Also, defensively, look at the defense. Who's going to stand out on this defense moving forward? Is Vinny Curry going to finally is – he, is he finally going to earn his paycheck? Some of the other guys are being paid very well. And who's going to stand out at the cornerback position? They have a lot of young, good, talented, I wouldn't say good, young, talented defensive backs. But the question is, who's going to come out and make that statement? That's the biggest thing. And I, and that's what I look for. You look at when it comes down to training camp, it's like, okay, who looks good? You know, who's earning themselves onto this football team? And then when it comes down to the preseason games, you want to see these guys show flashes of what could possibly happen in the regular season. So I think it's imperative that Doug Peterson gets Carson. You know, you want to keep him upright and healthy, but I think you need to give this guy a lot of reps with the first team. I know it's preseason, even in game action, so that they can get their timing down for the regular season. The defense is the big question, right? Well, we, we assume. Right? Who knows, maybe two months from now we're going, man, the offense just isn't meshing, or the play calling stinks, or the offensive line has too many holes, in, you know, injuries, whatever the situation is, uh, we could be wrong here. But the assumption is the offense will be better. The defense is the big question mark. You mentioned the cornerback position. Um, you know, you and I were texting last night about, uh, obviously, uh, one of our favorites um, from a from – a, a defensive perspective and talking about Jordan Hicks and just how good he can become. And is this the year he finally goes more on the national scene as far as a, you know, a, an impact defender across the entire NFL. Um, so if you can get that pass rush, if Chris Long is a good addition, you mentioned Vinnie Curry. We know Brandon Graham uh, can be a beast at times. If Kendricks can, can patrol the middle of the field and make the linebacking core stronger. Nigel Bradham has a similar type year. It's going to be all about that secondary. And and I think you and I both love the cornerbacks in McLeod and Jenkins. I think most of Philadelphia would agree with that. But it's going to be that play on the outside, man. It's going to be Jalen Mills making a huge leap year one to year two. Not only does he have to keep that um, 
short-term memory type of attitude he had where if he got beat on a big play, he's right back at it the next time. But he's got to be more consistent. He's got to give up fewer big plays. And yes, he has to maintain that short-term kind of memory that most cornerbacks, good cornerbacks have. But you're looking at Des Bryant, uh, some of the Redskins wide receivers threats, you know, the young kid Dotson, right, out of TCU. You know, obviously Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants. I mean, it, it's a tough division for wide receivers. And if the Eagles have a major hole and it's they can't stop teams from throwing the football on the outside, you know, it's going to be a struggle. So they've got to find a way to come together to figure this thing out. The cornerback position is going to be obviously something they watch from waiver cuts, uh, other teams discarding veterans. Do they add a player? Do they have money to add a player there at the cornerback position, a guy with more experience? But that is, you know, I don't think it's a newsflash to say that cornerback battle is going to be the biggest thing that fans are looking for in training camp, trying to figure out where this team is at. You know, typically camp, you're looking to stay healthy and you look for some surprises or some of the rookies making an impact. Anything else jump out to you, something you've got to see in camp uh, or the preseason, you touched on the reps, getting that chemistry together and the cornerback battles or anything else that jumps out? I think the one thing is is going to be how are the Eagles offensively this year? You know, what is going to be the ratio of pass to run? Yeah, like what's, what's their – What's their MO, right? What's their well, usually, uh, usually yeah, usually their MO is like an Andy Reid type team, they're 60-40. But right. then there's going to be times where you need to protect your quarterback. Let's say Carson's getting the snot kicked out of him. You know, the offensive line's not doing their job well enough. Maybe you need to run the ball more. And the biggest thing that'll do is they they work off one another, right? So if you're running the ball effectively, that is going to open up your passing game big time. Play action passing, which I think is going to be a huge part of the playbook moving forward this season. So that's what I'm also going to look at. How much is he going to run the ball? Is it going to be more than usual? Because I'd like to see that. Because it just takes so much pressure off your young quarterback and his decision making. So that's going to be something I'm looking at as far as the offensive playbook goes. (laughs) Defensively, one thing I want to look at, I want to see Jim Schwartz blitz a little more. Okay, that's another thing that I want to see. If you're not getting home with your four guys, then you have to blitz the quarterback. Get creative with it. I know it's not one of your big philosophies, but many teams or many defensive coordinators are very successful because of the creativity that they draw up with some of their blitzing packages. So I know Jim Schwartz, I know that's not your MO, so to speak, but maybe take a page out of somebody else's book and if we're not getting to the quarterback, the front four is not getting it done, then let's bring some heat and let's bring back some of that old, great, gritty Eagles defensive knock-you-in-the-mouth football. That's what I want to see. I love it. I love it. Uh, one final thing to touch on, Johnny Mita, before we get to our Dear God segment here on the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. Uh, kind of goes back to our earlier theme of a, of a spectacle, of TV ratings, of a bit of a gong show possibly. But the juice, O.J. Simpson is up for his parole hearing on Thursday, and it's going to be carried live on ESPN and I believe some other networks as well. ESPN doing a expanded outside-the-line special, about a 90-minute special. It's going to have the parole hearing there with it. Um, look, I know ABC owns ESPN. ABC is obviously a news company first and foremost, D- Disney you know, the, the big umbrella there. I get all that. 
but boy, is it such a different era than, you know, the mid-90s Bronco chase with OJ, where, you know, it was two or three news stations covering. Now, everybody covers everything. You've got TMZ, you've got ESPN covering sports, news, pop culture, political stuff. Everybody is kind of mix, mixing and, and mashing into all of society. I mean, that's just the way it is between social media and our news cycle now. People want stuff instantly. They don't care where it comes from. Uh, there is no more, hey, we're just news, hey, we're just sports. It hasn't been that way for years. But I just find it interesting that ESPN, not interesting. I'm not surprised ESPN is diving headfirst into this thing and going to cover the parole hearing live on Thursday. But I guess my question for you, John Mita, is should they? Uh, should they just leave, stay out of this? Or because OJ is such a lightning rod, uh, is a former great athlete, and obviously they ran the 30 for 30 on on OJ, they're not going to miss out on this opportunity. But what are your overall thoughts on on not only ESPN but other networks covering his parole hearing? Listen, man, this is I <laughs> OJ Simpson is one of the most fascinating people. You can love him, you can hate him, but I mean the guy is just you're gonna watch you're gonna watch it. Whatever it is, wherever you are, I remember being glued to the television during throughout his trial. Yeah, me too. The the thirty for thirty, the main America O J series was probably the best documentary that I've ever seen on wow. television. It was have you seen it, Joe? I watched the, the F- I watched the FX one with uh, no, uh, with no, Cuba no, no, Gooding no. and Travolta, and uh, I yeah. started to uh, watch. Tri- I did start to watch episode one of the Made in America, the ESPN one, yeah. but I did not finish yeah. it. It was just a little bit, a little bit too much OJ for me. It was like twelve hours of programming, dude. It, it's 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 a lot of OJ, but it's informative. It kind of takes you to how people fought during the time, yeah. the trial, how fascinating it was. They interview the jurors. I mean, it goes in. They interview his friends. The crazy part is this guy to cover this. Let's face it. ESPN has been going down the tubes. I mean, they're getting killed. So what's going to bring some ratings? The question is, is if OJ gets released, how quick does he get a job in the sports world? Does FS1 swoop right in and bring OJ on board with Skip Bayless? So I can't believe they're going to televise this, but I might be intrigued. That, and the things about OJ in this whole trial, it never ends, Joe. Yeah, no. It never ends. I just watched another documentary. It was a 45-minute documentary on Robert Kardashian. Robert Kardashian, they, this news van picked up footage. When OJ came back in from Chicago the day after the murder, there was this garment bag. And then this garment bag was given by O.J.'s secretary to Rob Kardashian, and it disappeared. And God knows what was in that garment bag. Was it his clothes? Did it have some of the crazy? So I just saw another documentary on that, which was totally fascinating. I know. It's like, it's I, like I, the never-ending like never uh, crime. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then they were talking about Khloe Kardashian, and most certainly looks like she is, O.J. is her father. Oh, my so, gosh. No, I mean, like, he admitted to that to some CO. OJ would never take a paternity test. She called crying. She still stays in contact with him and demanded that he take a paternity test, and he never did it. So, I mean, can so, you imagine oh how crazy God. that would be? Hey, and that's a new reality uh, show. If I if I could think of one, I'd uh, think of that one. So, OJ Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy's, 
Daddy's home. Daddy's home. The Billy juice Kardashian. is loose. Daddy's home. The juice is loose. The guy gets set free again. I mean, the whole thing is crazy. Let, let me, when he got sentenced, go ahead. Yeah, so you really, at the end of the day, no issue with the broadcast of it, and you're going to try and tune in. Fair? I think I might tune in, yes. Right. I, it's, it's funny entertainment, man. The guy is just, here's a guy, if he gets out of jail again, the guy's unbelievable. I give him six. I, mean, I give him six to eight months. I'm gonna set the over under at seven months that he's back in trouble legally, and I'm gonna take the <laughs> under. Okay. The day he gets out. The day he get. Should he get out? And this parole yeah. hearing. This is a stretch, from what I understand. But he could. He could be released after I think it was nine years out of a maximum of like thirty something uh, on yeah. a sentence. If he yeah, gets he got- out. I'm going to give him over under seven months before he's back in legal trouble. You know what the crazy part is, Joe? And this is something that you'll see in the 30 for 30 if you ever decide to watch the whole thing. But when he was sentenced for stealing his own memorabilia and the kidnapping and all that and everything that he was charged with, the judge sentenced him to 33 years in prison. Now you're going to ask me, why is that 33 years significant? Because that's how much money he owed the Goldman family in restitution after losing the civil case. Is that crazy? That is crazy. Crazy. We'll see if he gets out Thursday or at least uh, the indication whether or not he's going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. All right, last segment. Dear God, you want to start? Sure. All right, go ahead, brother. Dear God. Here we go. Dear God, what has ESPN become? Last night, I was sitting in my local watering hole, and after I watched some of that great NBA Summer League action, ESPN, some of their programming, they hosted the Street Fighter Five competition. <laughs> they televised a video game <laughs> competition. Not even a sport. Not even a sport. Not even video a sport. Game. It's not a sport. It's a game. It's a video game. Yeah, but not, not even. No, yeah, but not even a sports video game. Not even a sports video game. Street Fighter, which is one of the ultimate video games of all time. I have no qualms about it. I played it. But are you kidding me? And and all these people at the Mandalay Bay, the place, the arena, was absolutely packed. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, have we come this far? <laughs> and this is sending a bad message to young children, okay? Where are the days when you used to go out? and play sun up to sun down. Now it's kids locked in their parents' basement screaming for meatloaf and, and, and playing video games all day. It was an atrocity. It's terrible. ESPN, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're not sending a good message. And my God, there's nothing else in the sports world that's more fascinating than watch two people go at it. Video game consoles. This is just... <laughs> Terrible. Well said. Well said. My dear God goes to the All-Star game last week, the Major League Baseball All-Star game in Miami, and it's one particular player in person, and he's not a fan favorite in Philadelphia. Shocker. Shocker. But dear God, can someone please instruct Bryce freaking Harper to button up his jersey? It's bad enough he's got hair like Fabio, but we're going to double it. We're going to double down on the jersey that's missing about five buttons off the top. And then let's just put some icing on the cake, Bryce. Let's not wear anything underneath so that our pecs are basically showing while we're running around the outfield at Marlins Park or whatever the hell that, you know, expensive 
empty stadiums called. So, dear God, Major League Baseball, the Washington Nationals, Bryce Harper's girlfriend, for crying out loud, tell him to button up or put a shirt on underneath like the rest of the All-Stars that elect to not do their buttons all the way to the top. All right? Baseball, of all sports, has almost always had some type of code with their uniform. You're always wearing a hat. You're always tucked in. You know, socks high or low. Batting gloves or not. There's not a whole lot you can do baseball-wise outside of the uniform. But Bryce Harper has found a way to make it about him, button your damn jersey, or put a shirt on underneath it. It's embarrassing. And by the way, cut your hair. Dear God. All right, that's all I got for you. That's amazing. I mean, Let you me see, he made, like a, he made like a second-inning diving catch in right field in the All-Star game, and he did the yeah. hair flip afterwards. He slid right. on it. He came up from his belly to his knees. He flipped the hair back. He gets up, and his jersey's just flapping in the wind. Like, put a shirt on underneath or do two more buttons. You don't have to button all the way to the top, but he legitimately has, like, four buttons undone, and it, and his, like, pecs are just flopping around. Like, give me a break. If, you, if this was a different sport or a different gender, and he had, like, you know, something to show off to the crowd, I get it. But mostly male fans in a male sport, we don't want to see your chest, dude. <laughs> Can I ask you one question, though, real quick before yeah. we get out of here? Yeah. Do you want him on the Phillies? No, I hate him. You know that. <laughs> it's the Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud and iTunes. Next one will be in person, Johnny, made it New Jersey style. Looking forward to it. You got it. Back to the seashore. Always a pleasure, brother. Get, way to get after today, buddy. Did a hell of a job, as yeah, always. Appreciate good. all the love and support. Spread the love. Brotherly Love Podcast for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Next time, we'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 